When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, it's a big welcome if you're just waking up to us at 7 o'clock or if you're with us on 1629 SA in Adelaide, it is 6.34. We've got a big show coming up, Fireball Friday back for 2023, fitness guru David Butterfant. Um, what has he learnt over his time preparing these elite athletes and do some players take liberties and some players, do they flick the switch like Drake Stringer hasn't yet done? The Friday agenda is back. Um, and also we're going to speak to Mitch Robinson. Kingy's in the house. Kingy, good morning. Morning, Cornsy. Good to be back with you again. I think yes. that you'll be, uh, you'll be ready to roll on this <laughs> next topic, I'm sure. Well, let's, let's get into, before we get to Annie, who's, who's given us a call on North Melbourne, because it's been the biggest story of the week. It's probably been the biggest story of the year. I've, I feel like I've had a lot to say about it for a couple of weeks, Kingy, but the handling of the Taron Thomas situation, a lot of North fans are, are interested in your view of it. Could they have done things differently? And is there any criticism that you can find that they didn't reveal the extent of this last year when they found out and also not standing him down earlier on in the week and then doing so on the same day? Yeah, I think you've got to just... Before you start all this, all parties in this discussion need support. So this is not just about Taron, but I think you've got to be careful here that... that when you're talking about what North Melbourne are doing, I think they're supporting Taron rather than defending him. Okay, I just want to put that on the table at the start because, you know, you're tracking back to events of last year. Those, those events were reported to the police and the AFL Integrity Department and then clearly they took a course of action to try and change Taron's behaviour and, and help him through um, what, whatever you would like to call this, what this situation is. Um, so I think you've got to be careful not to confuse that for defending or trying to trying to sweep things under the carpet or anything like that. They have they certainly haven't done that. Um, so that's that's probably one thing that I'd like to put on the table. I thought Sonia Hood's statement sort of outlaid that you know, laid laid that out pretty clearly for everyone to see the the multi layered um, support program that he, that he was part of. Obviously, things shifted when more information came to light. So I, I think that. We find ourselves here. It's really disappointing and disturbing what we're talking about, and there is a, a level of awkwardness to it. Um, but this, this, I, I understand that other people have got different views on how it should have been handled from from minute one, and and I don't, I don't necessarily disagree with some of the comments you've made. But I just think you've got to be careful. Just put a just put a line between a difference between supporting and defending. Mm. Was it look? I'm, I'm, why did things like this only become public? Why does the club only react when it becomes public? Do you think they would have been better off to, to jump on the front foot? Because the, the, I, I look at it and go, well, we only hear from you because it was on the, in the Herald Sun when you've known about it for so long. I'm, I'm with you. I, it's, they it's had an taken action, hadn't they? Yeah, they behind, cl- behind closed doors. Well, but how else that, do you do it? I mean, you, you get well, the advice of the professionals, don't you? I mean, you, you just get – you seek specialists in that field. How, do, how is this handled? And, and clearly they've taken a – a management pathway to, to change his behaviour. So I, I think that there, there was a point of action to say it was, 
hidden is not quite true. It was reported to the AFL and, and the police and all sorts of things. Mm. I, I just think when you are so strong on the standards at the footy club and others fall foul of the standards, then it's bang. All right, we're suspending this guy, or we're dropping this guy, or we're doing whatever, as footy clubs do all the time. And you get a much more serious issue that, you know, you, you could, it looks like they were trying to hide, and not just North Melbourne, by the way, the AFL as, as well, um, of, you know, there's criticisms there with the way that they have handled it. And, and the other, the point is that, you know, he, they were supporting him on Wednesday or whatever it was in the morning, and then one more allegation tipped it over the edge to stand him down. I was like, well, hang on, there's got all these multiple allegations from multiple people. Why was it the one extra one that forced them to take this action that they hadn't taken mm. in the morning? But I understand we've been bogged down on this, but I, I did want Kingy to have his say. I am getting frustrated well. from a, a, from a probably the last two or three months. You're comparing everything to Jason Hall Francis. They are totally isolated, and you have to look at each case differently. I know you're talking about the support of Taryn versus the support of, of Jason. Mm. I don't think that's accurate. And I think you know that, you know, I know it's flippant, you're saying that this ice bath discussion, that there are, there are many reasons that, that aren't an ice bath. And you know that. And I read the quote out from, I read the quote out from Brady Rawlings and mm. he said, we have a lot more information than what you have, but... But you don't want them I mean, to air that. You don't no, really no, want that. Uh, I mean, if you keep saying this ice bath stuff, but is it the, more the answer will what, be, these are the things. Boom, 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 boom. And, and is it, more, and is it more serious? Well, is it more serious than what Taron Thomas has done? More, no, clearly not. So, so, they're, they're, so standing, they're, standing by, they're standing by Taron Thomas, yet they're quick to exit Horn Francis, is, is the point. No, I, I understand... Well, he did, but he was yeah. contracted, and then Zerha goes, you know, publicly with his grievances. Doesn't say anything about Taron Thomas and um, Brady Rawlings. Well, says one's that they in couldn't, court. Couldn't, it's very difficult. That, I mean, well, there's a couple of other things that aren't in court. There's a couple of other things that Thomas has done that are on the public record that are serious, that are guilty, done, and there was nothing said about that. Driving offences. Yeah, well, you're driving without a license. Your car's been impounded. You've been fined nine hundred bucks, and mm. then you. Caught driving without a license again. No, like he, that, that, that's enough. I agree with you. It, like, no one's arguing that this <laughs> this kid has behavioural issues that need to be addressed. Yeah, and that I think is how they started addressing those things and trying to support him through that. And it gets to a stage where you can no longer support when when the extra cases are, are, are mounting up. Clearly, there had to be some more aggressive action, which has mm. which has come to light. But I, I just think comparing that to Jason is 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 wildly inaccurate and saying it's simplifying like an ice bath I think is it couldn't be couldn't be further from the truth but when you, uh, yeah okay well I'm, we'll agree to disagree with that when you're supporting one but not supporting the other I I mean, Jason clearly... was supported Jason was supported you, you, your actions they either, they either you either embrace the fo- a football club and, and the leaders and the coaches and you listen to everything and you you adhere to, to, to structures. You adhere to, to basic needs. He's a young man. Needs. Though, yeah, He's yeah, a very know, young man. Yeah, I get, I get all that. But, but they're all young men. Taron's 22. Jason's 19. They're, they're all young guys. They're all making mistakes. That's okay. I've got no problem arguing that. But you're saying that he's out for an ice bath. It's just, it's just getting, it's getting to the point where I can see that someone will say, well, here, here are the list of things that, that, that were going wrong. And what I would say is they're nowhere near as serious as what Taryn's done. So whatever, list you can, well, so whatever list you're going to give me of, of Jay, that's my point. It's not so an you, ice you, bath. But you're to say it's an ice bath. Well, that's all I know about. 
So if they want to, if they want to document everything that he's done, no, I'm, I'm, hap- I'm happy to hear it, and then I might change you my know, opinion. You know about more than that. He, this kid was was to, to to step aside from the Taron discussion. I can't compare the two. They're in isolation. But I asked David. No- I interviewed David Noble about it. I said, what, what, "What's the issue with Jason Horn Francis?" He said, "Look, I, I didn't really have much of an issue. He was frustrated." Um, and there was nothing that Nobes had said. Now he's completely removed from this. He's the coach. There's he's nothing, out. no, no hanging offence of what he saw with Orton Francis. He loved him. They're not hanging so offence. That, that's all that's, I can. That's the point. Is they're not. They're, they're, they're little things that. Um, there, was, there were times where Jason was uncoachable. Whether it's from the senior coach, the line coaches, his teammates. Um, there were times where he wouldn't he wouldn't adhere to structures. That's there's, some of these things are normal for young men, right? And you're trying to shape and you're trying to mould. So at some point when they won't do the little things and in the end it, it, it realises itself as another ice bath, another commitment you won't meet, that everyone else has to meet that you won't meet. Mm. So at some point you have to say, mate, this is going to cost you games of footy. And you, yeah. try and you try and hold that course. So I think in isolation, that's what we're talking about. So Yeah, so my only response to that would be, why is Horn Francis paying the price for that when there is much more serious things yep. going on with another player that's a fair call. that has paid no penalty? That's all I'm saying, and that's hypocritical. And that was my criticism this week. Fireball. Uh, welcome back. David Butterfin has joined us very, very shortly. Twitter poll is up at SEN Breakfast. How many matches will the Hawks win this year? Zero to four, five to eight, eight to 12, <laughs> 13 plus. Where are you? S- I'm 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 going to stay by my zero to four. I'm going to stand, I'm going to stand by it. And 64 percent of the voters are with me. Uh, 32 percent say five to eight. Man, he had four votes. Give it a couple. And four percent <laughs> eight to twelve. Oh, I've got something for you to follow right over okay. the next couple of months. Tom Brady signed a 375 million dollar oh, deal no. to join Fox's broadcasting booth next season. And there's a guy called Greg Olson who's in that chair at the moment. So as soon as Tom go, comes in, he's gone. He's nervous. Right. Greg's <laughs> nervous. <laughs> Greg, Greg's been the best special comms on NFL this year. Oh, that yeah, that's so I've it's a heard significant problem. Very good things about him, and they've got the Super Bowl, I think. Fox. So will they will Tom Brady out for the Super Bowl? Ooh. Is the question that a few people are asking. Um, it would have been a great topic for the scramble, that one. Sorry. Thingy. Sorry. Yeah. So just uh, we'll hold fire for that next Sorry. week because ready now is David <laughs> Butterfin. Uh, he is a fitness maestro. He's worked in North Melbourne, Collingwood, and yes. Carlton. He's also worked with the Australian Athletics Sydney Olympics team in 2000. Uh, Butters, thanks for joining us. No worries, Kane. How are you kidding? Going well, mate. Going well. Looking forward to this little chat. We've been waiting King, for you. Kingy's flying. Kingy's flying. I, I love this. I love this area, Butters, and I. I think that um, some players don't take it seriously enough. But when you are preparing an AFL team, just a simple yes. question: How important is the preseason? Do we overstate its importance or not? Oh, crucial. I think it's crucial. And what, what we do know, you know, Kane, is that if you ever. You know, interrupted pre-season, more than likely you have an interrupted season. So it really sets a, a great foundation to have a have a good season. So, yeah, it's, it's fundamentally the most really important part of setting up your season, really. Well, so do you, do you express that to the players? Like, is there, is there a threshold of Darren Burgess to Port Adelaide? So you've got to get through 80% and you've got all the measures now. Is that about the, yeah. the number where to have success in the season, you need to complete about 80% of the pre-season? Yeah, I, I, I would concur with that. I think that's one of the things that uh, you want that continuity. You, you, you don't really want to, you can't afford to have a soft tissue, you know, or any significant injury because it's going to actually limit your preparation, you know. And I, 
the key really is going into the season and starting well. And if you're physically in good condition, it would translate. Psychologically, you feel well prepared as well. So, yeah, 80% is a good mark. I reckon you get more, even better. Mm. Sam, Walsh, Sam Walsh and Adam Trelaw are probably the two names that spring to mind when we have this chat, but... How how do you see their their progression back into football? So if they miss the first four weeks, do they do a, a, a an eight week preseason, a six week preseason? How how long would you need from the moment they're right to go to get them to that AFL fitness as a midfielder? Well, these guys would be pretty fit. They'd be doing a lot of cross training and a lot of conditioning, but nothing nothing really replicates that match simulation work that you do. You know, that combatant work that you have to, you know, be involved with. So they'd be pretty well conditioned. They'd be doing a lot of cross-training, a lot of rehabbing. But until you really get that combatant kind of functional, kind of specific kind of load, it, it takes a few weeks. Depending on the athlete, depending on the history behind them as well, some some could actually transition within about four weeks. Some may need a bit more. Um, probably some of the older players can transition because they've played so much football. But depending on the severity of the injury as well, um, so they may have to be kind of slowly graduated into the program. So if they can get up quickly, right, but um, they'll still need that match condition, which you know, usually takes at least you know, three to four weeks before you get, get, you know, get to that level. We spoke about the frustrations that I have with you know, players such as Jake Stringer. I don't, you don't need to comment on him specifically, but have you seen examples of players that were, weren't great when they first came in, perhaps didn't understand what was required, but then were able to flick the switch. Christian Petrarca is a great example. Max Scorn I've used this morning. There'd be thousands of other footballers, but is that common for a player to come in, not fully understand what's required, but then be able to, to learn and, and change? Well, you, you definitely, when you're always, it's ongoing education and you've got to learn and understand um, yeah, the, whole, the whole kind of dynamics and, and the the whole methodology of, of preparation, and not, not from a physical point of view, to everything holistically, you know, how you eat, how you sleep. Mm. You really want, you want that accountability. And, and basically, you know, this is a profession, this is what they do, it's how they live, you know, live being an elite athlete. So it's, it's what comes, it's a non-negotiable, really. It's um, when you come into a program, that's the lifestyle you've chosen, okay, and your number one asset is your body. So how you eat, how you sleep, how you train, fundamentally is really important. It really comes down to accountability. You know, it comes down to your own individual accountability. And if you get those things slip, well, you're going to be compromised. Um, and your longevity can be compromised in, as well. Mm. So, yeah, look, I think when we see these athletes do it for a long period of time, that, you know, and this is an all sports, they've got a wonderful constitution and they've got this wonderful accountability on themselves as well. You were with Mick at Collingwood when you you change the interchange, really. I mean, you just started to rotate yeah. more heavily Ruined than any other team. Ruined the game, Butterfield. <laughs> so th- there's, there's two schools of thought. I'm with lowering interchange because I think that would slow the game down and have less pressure on the ball, which would increase skill level. Others would say if you restrict interchange, injury rates will go through the roof. Where do you sit on what would happen to the game when you restrict interchange, if they did... Yeah, that's a really good question. You know, I think it, it can just go back to the fact, and and really, I mean, and all clubs, you know, collect the data and, and look at it closely. So basically, you remove the subjectivity and think, well, okay, when we have high interchange, what actually did happen? Well, there wasn't really an increase in injuries. You know, what, we didn't notice that. We we actually saw the opposite. We found that we were able to protect players. 
whereas the velocity and intensity of the game went up as well. So, um, so did it really ruin the game? But mm. actually, what we want is our best players playing for longer, you know, really, and seeing the quality of the game as well. So, it definitely favours the athlete who has more endurance characteristics. If you lower the interchange, um, they won't. The onset of fatigue won't happen as quickly for those type of athletes, whereas the more dynamic athletes will will actually be more predisposed to injury. So it, it does, that will change the kind of profiling of athletes recruitment as well. You know, so um, mm. you know, basically it will suit you know, the endurance athlete way more than the explosive athlete. Those players that you're talking about that have missed pockets of, of the preseason, um, Butters, we heard Ryan Pappenhausen, who who was on SEN recently, he spoke about a return date versus a return to performance date. So they're two different things. You might be back at round two, but you not not be yourself till round six, seven, eight. You know, there's, there's a lag period. Have you got an idea with your experience in AFL football over, I'd say, close to 25 years, is, is there is there a, a rule of thumb, a, a level of, of weeks that you think that players take to get back to their best? Yeah, that's a really good question. I think once once again it comes back to the type of injury, but that's, that's a really good point what he's what he's raised there. And I think that depending on the on the player, depending on the actual injury as well. And I think as we know, injuries like ACLs, knee reconstructions, you, you very rarely see that, that you know the year they come back, they really have that dominant influence. Um, it might take a good half a season to get to get back going. It usually takes a whole season, really, if you miss a whole year of football. Um, you do see some kind of freakish kind of athletes come back and they really have a great influence. But um, depending on the injury, depending on how long it takes, you know, some have the ability to kind of get up and going within four or five games. Others would need ten. You know, there is a psychological component there as well. You're feeling that level of confidence and comfortability um, through traffic as well. You know, particularly if they had recurrent injuries as well, you know, there's going to be a little bit of inhibition as well in, in performance. So um, it, it does it does really depend on the injury and, and it does depend on the athlete as well. There is a mindset associated with that, I, I would say. Now, you've done a lot of different sports. You, you were the uh, number one man. You were the brains behind the, the approach to the 2000 Sydney Olympics. In your opinion, is it possible... To win the Australian Open with a three-centimetre tear in your hamstring playing every second day for two weeks. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. You know, like, if if he had... I mean, if it's the kind of the typical kind of bicep femoris tear that you have, that's a... You know, that's... Uh, look, it's, it's... In football, I've never seen that. To, you know, but if he's had a kind of a, a facial kind of tear, um, it's not, you know, right in the belly... Uh, it could depending on depending on the actual diagnosis and what the tear was. I think that's a no. I think it would be. Um, David, thank you so much for your time, mate. There's many more questions we could have asked you. We're, we're a touch up against it with time, but we appreciate you joining us on Fireball Friday. Thanks, mate. Good idea, Cozy. Thank you. Fitness maestro David Butterfin. There. Um, there's lots doing, more to come. Doing Big great th- things in the charity space. So if you get a awesome. chance. Throw some cash his way. Yep, awesome, brilliant. Uh, check that out on Google. We'll put a link on our social media as well. Big last hour coming up. I'd love your thoughts as well if you wanted to join in the conversation with us. Good morning, wherever you may be listening to us. The IMR Insurance open line is on if you want to have your say. And if you want to join in with this, the Friday Agenda. 
the Friday Agenda. Uh, Kingy, I'm going to let you kick us off this morning. Is we, we, we had a discussion, didn't we, whether the agenda would be back, the Friday Agenda. Are you happy that it's back? I think so. I think it's just a, a nice informal way to discuss some topics that we haven't got to. It gives Johnny, um, the voiceover man, a, an opportunity to have his voice played, and I, I love Johnny, so that's good. <laughs> And um, and it gets our audience to, you know, if they want to flag something with us and put it on the agenda, they can do it. I like it. I like where you went there. That was quite creative. It took a long while to give him a clip, but well done. Uh, question. Have we seen the biggest back office error for some time that could drastically affect the premiership chances for the Brisbane Lions in 2023? Biggest? Fill me in. August 7 last year versus Carlton, Marcus Adams went down with concussion. From that moment, we didn't. He, he never played mm. an, another game or another minute of AFL football, and they had to they had to operate without him. So they've seen their lineup without him, and Jack Payne goes down back, and they tried to sort of hold ground, and ultimately they ran a little bit short and lost in a, in, a, in a prelim final to the Cats. Eight weeks later, the Western Bulldogs signed Liam Jones, who was underneath mm. the eyeballs of all in Brisbane. They would have met with him. They would have analysed whether they need to. Uh, address their issue at fullback, given the fact that there's a, there's a full likelihood and the medicos will be all over this. They know the percentages of what the, you know, we may see him, we may see him back for the start of the season. There's a 60% I don't chance. Think anyone knows. There might be a 20% yeah. chance we huh? don't see him for the first six weeks. There might be a 20% chance huh? he never plays again. There would have been numbers run across that. At that point, they needed to make a decision to cover fullback. Now, Dara Joyce has been put onto the list, and, and I'm not necessarily um, saying these guys are not going to be any good. Jack Payne's played 30-odd games of footy. I'm not sure whether he's he's in and ready to go and uh, and a, a high-quality fullback that can lock mm. down guys like you know, Tom Hawkins and uh, Aaron Norton and these guys that are going to come up in a, in a final series. Gerno Mackay. Dara Joyce, he's played two, three, five and three games the last four years. So, yeah. I, like, I'm just concerned that a decision made in the cool, clear light of day, and we won't have the answer on this till September, and that's assuming that Harris Andrews plays a full year. What if he misses a block of six weeks? Mm, mm. Where to then? Because we've been so complimentary of Brisbane and what they've done, and um, you're right, that the one area of the lack of height. Now, Gunston, he, he's played back before. They would not want to do that. He's we can't play key back. Big. I mean, you're no, talking about he, a big body... Against the big yes. beasts. No, I understand that. And and if Harris Andrews can't do that, um, Stasovich is not tall enough to to do that either. But he's he's good at playing above his height. Gunston's day's gone. The, yeah. He, so then you're very reliant on Danaher and Hipwood, which historically hasn't been they haven't been very reliable both of them at the one time. So it's a good question. So how did you phrase the first line of that? Have we seen the biggest error? Off, oh, back office error. Because if you make these decisions in the cool, clear light of day, there's no stress on making this decision first week October, first week September from a back office point of view. Okay, the day-to-day runnings of the footy club and winning big finals is, is all-consuming for, for everyone that, that can impact game day. But those doing the, the, the list um, and the balancing of the books and you know who's coming on, who's going off, mm. and clearly they had a lot going on. They've done a great job with who they've acquired. I just feel like they've missed a position here. 
All right, this is the Friday Agenda. It's all thanks to WD40. Register online for the Repair Challenge 2023. It's a good start from you. My, mine's mine's a bit more of just a softer sort of oh, chuck it out there sort of, sort of one. It's, it's, not as, not as, it's not as hard-hitting as, you, as you. But, well, Luke Shuey spoke yesterday, and there's a whole heap of things that I could have replayed about Luke, and finally the club admitted that they weren't fit. Now, after everyone denying that that wasn't the case and they were fit, Luke Shuey said, yep, where there's smoke, there's fire, we could have been fitter. That's not what I want to talk about. Uh, He said that the Eagles want to be the Collingwood of 2022 and push from, you know, outside the, well, from the bottom four into the eight. I don't think it'll be the Eagles, Kingy, but who is the team most likely to be the Collingwood of 2022 this year? See, and I, I'm struggling to find. I'm struggling to find it because I mean, who, who's who's in the running really? Hawthorne, um, no. Um, North Melbourne, probably not. Adelaide, don't think. I don't think it'll be Adelaide. I don't think Adelaide are capable of playing in a prelim final this year like Collingwood were. And then you go to well, could it be St Kilda, Essendon? But I don't know if there's going to be one. I mean, we all speak Giants, about Collingwood coach, and what they did. Some unknowns. Yeah, still got some. Still got probably the most likely because they've still got a core group of very good players with a lot of youngsters around them. So Port Adelaide won ten games. Where does that sit in your criteria? Yeah, well, it's probably not going from bottom four to yeah, a to a prelim. Not. So it's difficult to do. Okay, so so you're basically saying the season will be run by twelve teams. Yep, I am. <laughs> I am. Oh, that's I a am. doom and gloom. It's day one. No, I can write off a number of teams. I can. <laughs> I, 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 I can. I can. I, Luke Hodge was on the show the other day. I said, Hodgey, uh, who who can't make the final? He said, I don't know if there's anyone. He goes, and then he said, oh, maybe Hawthorne. I reckon there's seven that that, that can't already. Really? Um, yeah, I do. I don't, well, let's let's do it. So West Coast, no. Why no? This is one that I think you it could bring. Um, some feedback at the end of the year because okay. they were seriously unhealthy for the last yeah. 18 months. Well, I think that the health of the group is going to be an issue again. I mean, Luke Shuey doesn't get through full seasons of football. Elliot Yo doesn't get through full seasons of football. Nick Natanui, you know, it's going to be tough for him to get through full seasons of football. Oscar Allen, there's a lot of question marks over his body. Shannon Hearns, he's old now. and can, What can you expect from him? Who's going to kick? The goals. Josh Kennedy's not there. He's been a 50-goal forward for them for a, a long period of time. So I just have too many questions over the Eagles. So many Eagles we could... haven't seen yet, though, mate. Like yeah, this... but not not elite top-end talent draft picks that have been on the list for four or five years that are ready to go. Campbell Chester we haven't seen. He was pick 14 last season. Yeah. Secondly, so... it's going to be tough for him yeah, no, to make I, a big There's so impact. many we haven't seen. That's my only yeah. reservation. I think they can... I think they could surprise a few. They're not a they're not a two win team like they no, were no, last no. They, year. They're they're not. Can't, they, they'll be carnage if they're a two win team. There's there'll be absolutely carnage out there. Uh, Hawthorne, no for me. The Giants no. Gold Coast no. Uh, Essendon why no the Bra- Gold Coast? No, nah, I think there's too many question marks over them as well. I don't think they improved in the off season where a number of teams did. Uh, Essendon, you listen to Brad Scott's language. He's preaching patience. So for that, to me, it says, you know, a bit of time for the Bombers and they're, they're quite young. So, yeah, anyway, um, I've put it out there. I'll, I could be proven wrong and someone will clip this up at the end of the season and, and replay it, but that's fine. Under promise and over deliver, I think, at the Bombers. With Brad, yeah, it's Talk smart. them down. Talk them down. Don't, don't, don't create any headlines and try and sneak up on a few. They, they, they do 
lack for a little bit in terms of their targets forward of centre. And they still miss that one big-bodied defender. Mm. Uh, Luke's going to join in on the IMR Insurance open line on the agenda. He's in Sandringham. G'day, Luke. Got you you there, Luke? No, we'll get Luke back in a moment. Um, The other one I wanted to to flag with you, unless you've got something else, is I I, I did see that Cam Rayner might be having a positional change to halfback, Kingy. Do you think that that's long-term? It would be an error for me. It would be an error. Everyone's looking for it, and you've spoken about it as much as any. Everyone's looking for that centre-bounce player that goes forward and does damage. Tom Papley, you were big on last year. Yeah. So if you've got that, and Cam Ray, I thought he took massive strides last year into being that, into being what everyone wants from Dustin Martin, what the dogs try to do with Bontempelli, Isaac Heaney. I mean, Jake Stringer when he's up and going, Jordan Degoe, There's everyone wants one. The Lions have got one, and the thought is to push him to half back. Now, I'm a, I'm a, he, that might have just been a trial that they had a look in a press. So I don't know. I might be barking up the wrong tree. I haven't seen the train. But if that was the case, that would be an error. So this feeds into my discussion, right? At what stage do you know what you've got? At what stage do you know, yep, this is the player that we've recruited? He's now 23. Mm-hmm. He's played 87 games, Cam Rayner. This is what he is. He's a, he's a forward pocket type that can, be, that can outmark his, his, uh, his like-sized opponent in a contested marking sense on occasion. He's a very good crummer, but he's not a midfielder, and he's probably not a centre-bounce player. Mm. At what stage do you say, you know what, let's give up on that? And let's just put him back to where he's strong and, and where he can actually win a game for us. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know the exact answer to Five it. Five years? Had, four years? Yeah, well, he, and he had the knee. So, I mean, you've got to give him well, not, some time. Even not just him specifically. Like, at yeah. what stage do you say, this is the commodity? Four years. 50 games. Four yeah. years, between, four, between 40 and 70 games. I think they've tried this with Rayner. They've tried it with Bailey. Aren't they just half forward flankers? I think Rayner can be a bit more than that. I think he can be a centre bounce impact type. Yeah, yeah. The jury's out for me. I, okay. I think that they they have they've lacked that extra midfielder, and they've tried to create one from half forward, and then they've thought, I think in this offseason, no, nah, let's just go and get a Dunkley and just get the midfielder that can go both ways and play the way we need to play in there. All right, uh, and the other one that I had, I had Harris Andrews on the, the show last night, and you're always a bit nervous when you have a player on that you've been quite strong on uh, on a couple of occasions. <laughs> last year, it's a regular occurrence for you. Last, last year, I said, you wouldn't interview anyone. <laughs> Harris Andrews is 25; he looks 65. I remember, it, was a, it was a bit of a throwaway, yeah. but you know what I mean when he when I say that because at times he does look like he struggles to bend over and pick up the ball. So I put that to him. He hadn't he hadn't heard the criticism, which was a relief. Um, but Jared said to me, "Well, what if he was injured?" And I said, "Well, how would I know if he was injured, Jared?" He said, "Well, but he might have been." I said, "But if a player is out there, I can't change the opinion that I have because he might be carrying an injury that I've got no idea about." When you are commentating on a game, do you factor the likelihood that the player could be carrying an injury before you critique their performance? Oh, wow. Uh, only coming back from injury, I think you have to factor in, but not no. once they've declared themselves right to go. And I found myself in a little bit of trouble with Taron Thomas last year. I criticised his body language in a game in in Tasmania. I think mm. it might have even been against the Crows. Um, and they they just, 
I was unaware that his his grandmother had passed away mm. that week. So those sorts of things, unless you're advised of those, unless if clubs want to put out reports saying these players are carrying injuries, we we, we will then address that accordingly. But that's that's not going to happen. The injury no. status of a player, and it should because other bigger sports than AFL do it. In, instant injury reports as it happens. You look at the NBA. You look at the NFL. Yeah. Star quarterback goes off. Within five minutes, you've got a report whether he's likely to come back on, what the initial diagnosis of the injury is. So you're right. Unless the clubs are going to do that, then we just call it as I see it. Now, there's examples where a player might get a massive corky in the first quarter. He goes off, he gets strapped up, he comes back on, he's inhibited. Of course, you factor that in. But if Patrick Cripps is carrying a back injury and he's playing every game for the year and he's putting himself out there, you can't change your opinion. I don't think. So there's a couple of little bits of feedback for us. It's first day back, so we, we take all, all feedback mm. on board. Biggest front office errors of the off-season by SCN. Too much of king and corns. <laughs> We're only one day a week. Come on, Rick. That's, that's, get, that's, give that's us too a much, Rick. Come on, Rick. Give us a chance. Uh, that was the Friday Agenda. Thanks to WD40. Register online for the Repair Challenge 2023 for a share in over 15 grand in prizes.